Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information about Life Church, visit our website, lifechurchww.com. Hey, we're talking about being transformed by truth, and I, I, I have the opportunity to kind of open us into this whole conversation, and I believe that one of the ways that, that we're transformed by truth is that initially we need to allow the, allow the truth of God's word to transform our lives by trusting it. Okay, we need to trust the word. Okay, so there, there's a lot of things, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but often there's a lot of things that we put our trust in that we probably shouldn't. Right? And similar, there's a lot of things that we should put our trust in that we find it hard to trust. For example, let's say you go to a restaurant, you're, going, you're on vacation, you're going to this restaurant, you look through the menu, there's all these things that sound great, but the little italic text isn't quite enough of a descriptor for you. So rather, there's a photo on the side, and you're like, man, this came straight from the banquet halls of heaven. I am ready to eat this thing up. But then it comes to your table, and it looks like it got ran over by a truck on its way from the kitchen to your table. There's an element of trust that was broken, right? So we, we, we put our trust in things that we should, or we don't put our trust in things that we should, but it, we have an easy time putting our things our trust in things that we shouldn't. As a tall person, person above average height, I have the opportunity to trust in things a lot more frequently than I would like to, right? And don't get me wrong, I once as a child was short too, I get you. Um, but as the Bible said, I put away those childish things and I became tall. So if you're short in the room, I get you. You guys have to Spider-Man your way up to the top shelf at the grocery store. You guys can't ride all the roller coasters. It breaks my heart. Um, and the real one that I personally, on behalf of all tall people, apologize for is that every time you go into a hug, you just get a face full of armpit. I feel for you. I really do. But us, us tall people have it hard too, right, Dr. Eric? Us tall people have it hard. How about this one? We got joint pain. We have the fact that always counters are too low. It's super awkward. We, we have these limbs that hang over the sidewalks that are only ever cut for people below five foot. So you just have to basically take a 50-50 bet of whether you're going to limbo or bear crawl through that thing, but it's not pleasant. Right, so another thing that us tall people have to deal with on a daily basis is every time you sit down, there comes a point right about here where when you're tall, it's a free fall. You're just going. Like, there's no rerouting. There's no alternate destination. You're going to sit down whether you want to or not at that point, right? So I need to be convinced that when I sit down that the chair is going to be there. And let me tell you what, the chair has failed me on many occasions. But I'm equally convinced that there's one thing in this life that will never fail you. It will never fall out from under you, and it will never let you down, and that's God and his word. If we're going to be people, if we're going to be people who trust in the word of God, what we're doing is this, is we're saying that the Bible is reliable. Check out this picture on these side screens. It's absolutely amazing. This is a picture that shows all of the cross references in scripture. Isn't it amazing? All of the times where people in the Old Testament would talk of things to come in the New Testament and then times in the New Testament where Jesus was saying, hey, see that thing that you guys did for so long? I'm the fulfillment of that. I'm the promise. Right? It's absolutely amazing. And if it was written by one person, we would deem this to be an absolute literary masterpiece. Right? But that's not the case. This was written in 66 different books by 
40 different authors over 1,600 years in three different languages, being Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, spanning from countries like Egypt and Rome and Babylon, written by, by priests and kings, statesmen and peasants, shepherds, fishermen, herdsmen, and prisoners. That being considered, it makes it all the more impressive. Right, And it still carries what we call a congruity of agreement with it. It still agrees with itself. It doesn't knock itself off its own pedestal, but it shares this harmony of agreement. Now, how is that possible? It's not, I don't think it's possible because it was just merely written by people. I believe that it was written by the Holy Spirit through man and for a purpose. Right. So if, if that's the case, then it's kind of a big deal. And over all those years, with all of that scrutiny, being held under the microscope of those who wish to debunk its claims, still it stands strong and produces transformations in the lives of its belief, in the lives of its readers. Countless thousands upon thousands of people have willingly given their lives to see that its production and distribution does not cease for that very reason. And that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason to put our trust in this thing. Right, I, I can speak for myself on this. I can't quite speak for my wife on this one. She's amazing, but um, I love Lord of the Rings, but I was never transformed by it. The way that this book has transformed my life and brought me closer to its author is like nothing else. So you, you can build your life on it, right? You can build your life on it and you can trust the word. Okay, so we trust the word. We trust that it is truth and it is the source of truth. Truth doesn't come from me, it doesn't come from you, it doesn't come from what I ate for lunch, it doesn't come from my feelings, it comes from what's contained within the bindings of this book, and it doesn't change, it lasts forever, right? And get this, it's relevant. We can trust it because it's relevant. I think that if we took just as much time as we take to try and prove that the Bible is irrelevant to our current cultural time, if we put that much time into proving ourselves, that it is relevant to our cultural time, I think that it would answer a lot of the questions that we have, right? Our Forge and Foundry students could probably say this line with me, but in Ecclesiastes, it says that there's nothing new under the sun. What does that mean? It means that, that means that every problem that society faces is an ancient problem with an ancient solution. The solution is right here. We're looking in every other place, but the place that's been tried and tested. We can trust it. You can trust it, right? But, if we, had, if we had time, we would talk more about how the Bible's authority is also internally held and maintained. What I mean by that is there's nothing outside of the Bible that gives it its authority. History does not give the Bible its authority. As history does align with many of the claims of the Bible as it should, it doesn't give it its authority. If we had time to talk about it, we would talk about how there's many extra biblical resources or resources outside of the biblical text that validate that there was indeed a man named Jesus who lived, did amazing things, and died under the hand of Pontius Pilate. But whether they say he was the son of God and rose again on a third day is another story for another time. Right? It's not science or biology that gives the Bible its authority. If we had time, we would talk about how rather than, we would go to the first chapter of the first book of the Bible in Genesis and we would look at how God created man. He took a pile of dirt and he breathed the breath of life into it. We had one organic form and then God breathed into it and we have a totally separate organic form. Right? We're not looking for the missing link that's the creature between man, monkey and man. What we're looking for, the missing link, is the divine breath of God that brings life into something and transforms it from the inside out. 
But we don't have time for that today, right? <laughs> right? If that was the case, man, the Bible only gets its authority from that very breath. That very breath that God breathed into Adam. The very breath that Pastor Bob said last week transformed Abram into Abraham. The very breath is breathed into these scriptures and is the divine breath of God that gives it its authority. Let's check this out. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. All. Say all. all. Say Old Testament. Old Testament. Say New Testament. New Testament. All of it. All scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible gets its authority from God and not these external sources. Why is that a big deal? Because if if these external sources are what gave the Bible its authority, it's those same external sources that can remove its authority from it. God will never remove his authority from his scriptures. We can trust that. We can trust the word. But there's something special that happens when we move our trust from our head to our heart. Why? Because God is a God of the head and the heart. He's after your intellect and he's after your affections. We can trust the word, but I want to promise you this today is that you can also trust in the word. Right? I trust that a bridge is going to be able to sustain the weight of my car as I drive over it. But the trust that I have in that bridge is a different kind of trust than I have in the faithfulness of my wife. Right, We can trust in the word. When we trust in the word, what we're saying is that I acknowledge that it was written to them, meaning their original audience, but it was written for me. I acknowledge that there are countless promises in this book, and I am indeed a recipient of them. And I just want to end this last couple moments I have with you by sharing some of those promises of Scripture with you. If you need healing, if you need healing in your body, the Bible says this, Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his stripes we're healed. If you need joy, the Bible says this in Psalm 30, verse 5, his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but guess what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. If you have, feel like you've walked through this life alone and all you've known is disappointment, this is what the Bible has to say. In Deuteronomy 31.8 says, I am with you and I will never forsake you. Come on, if you need direction, Psalm 32, 8 says this, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life and I will advise you and watch over you. Come on, this word right here, you can be trusted. It has the answer to all of life's problems and frustrations and you can put your money in the bank that this thing is gonna come through time and time again. That's all I have to share with you guys today, but I'm gonna invite up my good friend, Jackson Wells. He's an amazing man of God, amazing teacher, amazing man with an amazing beard. Let's give it up for Jackson. Hey, thank you. Hey, give it up for Dallas one more time. I, uh, don't be fooled. That guy's a little goofy, but he is one of the smartest people I know. Uh, he'll come in, he'll be like making weird car noise, like noises in my car, and then he'll just drop some like theological bomb, and I'm like, how are you these two people at the same time? So it's an honor to teach with you and serve with you. It's an honor to serve and teach with Pastor Caleb, be under the leadership of Pastor Bob McCarrum. Thankful for all the opportunities. Hey, the second way that we allow the truth of God to transform our lives is we love the word. And Dallas made a good point of like ha- talking about how God is the God of our intellect and also our affections. And it's really easy, and I'm guilty of this myself, to be in a place like this and try and soak up all the knowledge to even just regurgitate it and sound really good. But if we don't allow the truth of God's word to be loved and move from our head to our heart, 
there's something missing because there's, there's a deeper thing God wants to do than just being able to regurgitate what may be said from this stage. Pastor Bob talked about it and he said a, a really awesome statement last week. He said, we need more than just an explanation. We actually need a revelation of God. And I'll tell you what, if you want a revelation from God, this is the place you should start right here. Get it for yourself, get in the word. So we wanna love the word. Well, how does, how does knowing the truth, how does all that relate to love? Well, let me explain it to you this way. I uh, have the amazing privilege in about 69 days to get married to my beautiful fiance, Courtney Houston. I will say, I believe that she found a hunk of a man, if you would agree. Uh, yeah. Um, go up and tell her, hey, your husband's, or your future husband's so awesome. He's so hot. Uh, um, no, don't do that. Uh, but I, I love Courtney. Good advice for you. Don't marry someone you don't love. Might be better. Um, but I love Courtney so much. I love Courtney with all my heart. And imagine this. Imagine if you came up to me after service or maybe later in the week or wherever you see me next. You're like, hey, that was an awesome like, message you gave. It was great. Uh, your outfit was awesome. Like, you just complimenting me so much. It was great. But then you were like, hey, you said you, you loved your fiance. What, what is it that you love about her? Imagine if my response was this. Man, I mean, there's so much. Uh, I just love her. <laughs> right? Like, and you're like, yeah, that's great. Like, you said that. But, like, what do you love about her? And I just go, oh, she's so lovable. <laughs> she's so lovable. I mean, there's just so much love uh, between both of us. And uh, I just love loving her. Uh, this is actually something Courtney says all the time. I love love. Um, so we're just all full of love. But if I couldn't tell you why I like or love Courtney, if I couldn't tell you about the, her favorite food or the foods that she dislikes, if I couldn't tell you about her favorite show, or if I couldn't tell you why she loves her favorite worship song or favorite worship leader, if I couldn't tell you why I find it so respectable and commendable that she plants herself in the local church, if I couldn't tell you why uh, I love her so much about how she's, she's dug out her own personal well with Jesus and she comes up here and leads worship so well because it's not a fabricated thing, it's an actual reality that she lives in. How amazing, how respectful, how honorable, how self giving how caring she is. If I couldn't tell you any of that, you'd probably be like, I don't think you love her. <laughs> As you should. We, we, we know and therefore we love. This is my point. Knowing God is loving God and loving God is knowing God. Moving from our head to our heart. The gospel is more than just forgiveness of sins. That's a beautiful picture, by the way. I love that. That's a reality. And it's actually more than you just not going to hell. <laughs> Praise God. The gospel is the reality that everything is restored to its original intention, meaning that you could know God personally once again. That sin could be removed, that the chasm between you and the one who made you was removed so that you could know him personally and have a personal relationship with God. This is what Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says. It says, don't lie to each other. Don't do it. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. 
I don't know if you want a better definition for transformation. <laughs> Putting off what's old and walking into the new and learning to know who God is and have a personal relationship with him. If you will love this word and trust this word, you will be transformed by it. Why do we love the word? We love the word because it's a gift that helps me know who God is. We love it because it helps us know who God is. The Bible is this amazing gift that Dallas talked about that has been burned, that has been buried, that has been berated, that has been borderline just all, all the more tried to be removed from our lives, but has endured all the more. Why? Because God finds it valuable that you would have a personal relationship with him, that you would know him and that you would love him. It's where you find out the promises of God. It's where you find out the nature of God. It's where you find out God is merciful, that God is a healer, that, that God is a forgiver, that God is kind, that God is good. All those promises that Dallas was talking about, it begins right here. Learning who God is is rooted in reading this book. And we love the word because it helps me know God. And really, when I begin to know God, I learn a lot about myself, good and bad. Um, but it allows me when I read it to be transformed, to look more like Jesus. The, the fruitful, communal, purpose-driven life of worship and reigning with God is rooted in you knowing what this book has to say about you, about God, and their interaction with his creation. This book has not just changed the lives of pastors. It's not just changed the lives of teachers. It's not just changed the lives of the super spiritual people who have like five devotional readings on their new version Bible app every morning. It has changed the lives of myself and of Dallas. It's changed the face of nations. It's changed kingdoms and it's ushered in the kingdom of heaven into people's lives and allowed them to move from death into life. And I promise you, if you will love the word and read it, it will transform your own life. It'll help you look more like Jesus. This is what the word says, Psalms 119. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We know we can trust the word. And if we can trust the word, then our rightful response is to love it. Well, then how do I love, how do I trust the word of God? I want to look at briefly this, the life of this man named Ezra. Ezra grew up in captivity. Uh, so... Israel was doing a bunch of stuff. God said, don't do that. And they're like, oh, okay, we get you. And then they did it anyway. You know, if you ever had a kid or been a kid, you understand. <laughs> and so they get taken into captivity. Ezra grows up in captivity. Um, and he's what's known as a scribe. A scribe is someone who would write down the word of God. Uh, and, and they would instruct it in what it means. And Ezra did a lot of amazing things. He wrote First and Second Chronicles and Ezra. You probably have never written a book of the Bible, so we're starting pretty strong for Ezra's resume. <laughs> he began canonizing the Old Testament scriptures, so he began organizing what was inspired by God. He translated the Old Testament scriptures uh, from Hebrew to Aramaic so that people could read the Bible. He also started the synagogue system because they're no longer in a Jerusalem, and the temple's destroyed, so there's nowhere to worship. So he creates a system for the Jewish people to continue worshiping Yahweh. Not only that, he's viewed as one of the top four leaders of the Old Testament uh, Hebrew people being Moses, Abraham, David, and Ezra. So if we're looking at a guy who knows about loving and trusting the word of God, I think we found a really solid one. Uh, I'm sure there's many you could bring up, but this is what it says about Ezra. Ezra 7, 9 through 10. For the good hand of his God was on him. 
which is an amazing statement. I think we would all say, that's what I want. I want the good hand of God on my life. I want to know who God is. I want to be a person who interacts with Jesus. It says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And here's what I think the three things really quickly we can pull from Ezra. Here's how I love and trust the word of God. I read it, I live it, and I share it. You have to read this. If you want to change, if you want to find what God has to say about you, your family, why he made you, why he created you, what you could do, how you could change someone's life, you have to read this. You have to read it. You can't get it from culture. You can't get it from the news. You can't get it from a secular university. You have to get it from the word of God. And not only can you just get it from the word of God, but James says we can't just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers. Meaning this has to go from my head into my heart and out through my hands and has to be applied to my life so that I can change practically to look more like Jesus. But not only that, friends, it goes a step further. I can't just read it and I can't just do it, but I've got to share it. I've got to share it. I've got to allow it to change other people's lives because it's not, it's a good response to trust the word and then to love it. But the good response to con- continues to love the word and then love others. And if you will read this, if you will live it, and if you will share it, two things. I promise you, your life will be transformed. I promise you. As a personal testament, your life will be transformed. And if you will read this and live it and share it, you will find the amazing things that God wants to do in your life and the fulfillment for why you were created. That's all I have for you. I'm going to invite Pastor Caleb to come back up. Come on, can we give it up for those guys? So proud of you guys. They're awesome. My goodness. I tell you what. Listen to me, church. You can build your life on this. They're not joking when they say if we had time, we could go through every reality of why you can, it can be trusted. I'm telling you, <laughs> this right here, as Dallas said so well, has the answer for everything. This will transform atmospheres, not just in rooms, but in the rooms of our own hearts. I've always been amazed at how reading, I didn't read very much through school. These guys are way better at it than me. But the truth of God's word, I'll tell you what, I think why this was so, one of the multiple reasons why I was so transformative is because I had always read books, but this book reads you. And I was so amazed at how reading God's word brought this thing called conviction in my heart that produced a change that then produced growth. And then I began to realize what happens as it teaches us how we can use it to speak to things. And I was always so blown away as I began to dive into the word of God that I could speak the word of God and anxiety had to go. I could speak the word of God and peace would have to come. I could speak the word of God and I actually could sleep at night that it truly is a transformative reality that we need to build our lives around is this right here. So I want to echo the practicals of what Jackson said and add to this. First is this, get a Bible reading plan. Get a Bible reading plan. 
If you're like me, I always say this, I'm way too Pentecostal to not have a Bible reading plan. I can't leave it up to what I feel like reading or not reading that day. Get the version Bible app. Go into the app store of your phone, whatever device you might have, and download it today. Or you can go on the website. You can follow some links to show you how to get it. You can follow along with us just this morning. When I get up in the morning, it's jumping in to the Bible because I'm choosing to build my life around it. John chapter 8 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You got to know it for it to be transformative. You got to absorb it. The second thing is this, get in a summer life group so you can be around other people that are hungry for the word of God. What I love about working with these guys and being around our team and many of you is sharing what God's speaking to us about and dissecting, whether it's theologically or personally, the things that God's unveiling our heart from his word and it stirs a hunger in our hearts for the word of God. And that life church is where I wanna leave us today to pray for us. My honest and sincere desire, and we prayed this earlier, God, the people today would say, man, that was great. I had a, such a great time in church today. Man, wasn't God, wasn't worship was amazing. Those, those guys did such a great job. I wanna go home and read my Bible. That's the heart today. Because having a desire and a hunger for the word of God will transform your life, I believe, unlike few other things. I can speak from it personally. Outside of giving my life to Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's been having a hunger for the word of God that I believe has made me the person and the man that I am today. So I want us to stand to our feet together. I'm gonna read a verse from the book of Jeremiah that's gonna become our prayer as I pray over us today before we conclude. I love this verse. Check out this verse from my Jeremiah chapter 20. It says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, look how he describes the word of God in his heart. His word burns in my heart. It burns in my heart. It's not a casual thing that collects dust on the shelf. It burns in my heart. It's like a fire in my bones. I wanna pray for us today. I know that reading and interacting with his word is a choice. I understand that God's not gonna make you read his word. But I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would cultivate a sincere desire for the Word of God. Not one that's dogmatic, but one that's genuine and wanting to engage with the heart of God and to love on Him. Can we do that together? Let's close our eyes together. I wanna pray for all of us in the room or watching online. Holy Spirit, we ask right now in only a way that you can do, would you move in the room and would you begin to stir and cultivate a genuine hunger and desire for your Word? God, that we, we would stay up at night thinking on it. God, even when we put it down in the morning to go to work, we would be thinking on it and meditating on it throughout the day. It would become the very thing that our soul craves for. God, that, that we would be known as a people. May we be an Ezra generation in our day, God. That we they would be ones that would so long to not just know in our heart or know in our mind, but commit in our heart to being lovers of your word. And God, I pray that even leaving here today, even getting into the car, there's a sincere desire to say, God, I want to dive into your word to know you more. May we be marked by it as a people today, God. Now with every eye remaining to stay closed, I, I can't help but think that there's somebody here today in the room or online that watched. And when you saw the video, the beginning of the service of the impact that God 
had done, the transformation that Jesus did in the lives of these young people, the freedom that they've experienced, that you maybe thought to yourself, man, I need transformation like that. Well, friend, can I tell you this? That transformation is not found in a philosophy. It's not found in a self-help book. It's found in a person named Jesus. If you need transformation, you need Jesus today. And maybe you're in the room or online if you yet to commit your heart to the life and lordship of Jesus. Like Dallas said, saying, I trust you. Well, friend, today's your day and this moment is your moment. With every eye closed across the room, I wonder here this is morning would say, that's me, Caleb. I need to surrender my life over to Jesus. I need to be transformed. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Do yourself a favor. Would you just look up at me really quick and wave at me? Let me wake eyes with you so I know who I'm praying with today that's saying, yep, today's the day of transformation. If that's you, just look up at me and wave. Thank you. I see that hand right there. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand right there. I'm just spanning the room. Anybody else? There's a hand over there. I see that little tiny hand right there. That's awesome. Anybody else? One in the back right there. Thanks. I see your hand over there. Anybody else today? I don't want you to miss this moment. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. I trust you, Jesus. Oh my goodness. Here's what I want to do. Church, you know what to do. I'm about to pray a prayer. And if you raise your hand or know that you should have, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want you to, from the sincerity of your heart to repeat after me. And Life Church fam, I want you to pray together with our friends. And those of you who raise your hand or know you should have, you pray this in sincerity of your heart. Today begins that transformation life that your heart longs for. So come on, let's pray this together out loud. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I come to you today as a sinner in need of a savior. I need transformation. Would you transform me from the inside out? I'm sorry and I repent and I run to you today. And all that I am from this day forward is yours in Jesus name. And come on friends, let's say amen and celebrate with our friends. We hope that today's message encouraged you. At Life Church, we believe that wherever you are in your relationship with God, there's always a next step to take, and we're here to help you find yours. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, or you're simply looking to get more involved in this community, we invite you to check out our Next Steps page. You'll find all the information you need by clicking the link in the description. If this message impacted you in any way, we encourage you to do two things. First, share this video with a friend. It's a wonderful way to share the love of Jesus with someone that you care about. Second, we'd love to hear your story. Click the link in the description to share your testimony with us so we can celebrate all God is doing in your life. We're excited to be on this journey of following Jesus with you and hope you have a great week.